one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. The Square Ball Podcast. Well, welcome to the show. Then we've got together for another view from the press box. Dan here with Michael from the Square Ball and Phil Hay from the Athletic. Show brought to you by West Yorkshire Electrical. Do you need more? Please, if you don't mind. Do you need more? You, yeah. right. What sort of thing they do? Well, the fact that they're a fully credited electrician would be useful to convey. Um, if it's got wires, they will work with it. They do the usual range of services. They're specialists in renewables, remember? Correct. Solar panels, battery storage, car chargers, that sort of thing. Yeah, and you know where you put your solar panels, don't you? On your roof. You do. And what happens when you've had that done? Oh, bloody hell, my roof's a mess. No, it's not. Because they've got their own roofing people. And they don't just do the solar panels on the roof. They will do the roof as well. So you've got roofing stuff. Electricians and roofers. If you've got wires in your roof, they'll work with it. That's what they say. <laughs> yes. And even if you don't have wires in your roof, which is probably for the best, unless you've got lights into your loft, which you probably, which brings you in, Phil, doesn't it? Look at how neatly that was done. Very good. We've got a leaking roof this morning, a faulty boiler, and also, owing to the wind, all the wires have come off the gutter and are hanging all over the place on the front of the house. So, literally, nothing that um, West Yorkshire Electrical couldn't sort, probably. Yeah, we need to start a GoFundMe for you, never mind um, getting West Yorkshire <laughs> Electrical in. Don't we? Um, wyelectrical.co.uk for details. They're on your socials as well. Right, yeah, let's um, let's start at the uh, at the most recent news that we've had in the last 24 hours, which is that the uh, the rat has deserted the not sinking ship, the very much floating ship, but Sinistera off to Bournemouth permanently. 20 million quid or thereabouts, Phil. Sinking as it was last season, but you're right, not so much this season. I, I would imagine by the time people listen to this, this will probably be confirmed. We're just waiting Friday morning for it to be formally announced, but Leeds and Bournemouth... Both planning to do that today. Deal agreed. Uh, from the Leeds end, they're saying that they won't be making a loss on him um, on the the basis of the fee that was paid to to Feyenoord this summer previously. I don't think that means anybody will pretend that this has been in any way a success um, and they certainly won't be making anything significant in terms of a profit. At the Bournemouth end, keen to point out that this is for less than the option um, that was in the deal um, when he went on loan at the start of the season. And I think that there are a few factors at play here. Firstly, Bournemouth really want to keep him, um, so he'll become permanent immediately. Leeds saw no way of him coming back, and I think this will be the the beginning of a, a traipse of, of players who were here in the relegation season, leaving permanently or, or certainly going going elsewhere for for the longer term. Got and, a feeling that those those bridges were burned when um, Angus Kinnear came yeah, in the, at the start of the season. There was no way back. I mean, it was similar with Tyler Adams. Really, the reason that was done was because it had got so bitter and twisted at the crucial point where it was stay or go and, and Adams decided he wanted to go. Um, similar with um, Sinistera, the, the threat of legal action towards the end of uh, the last window meant that there was no no real way back. Um, a bit of bad blood there. I think it would have been extremely difficult for him to 
come back and played in front of the crowd, although I always say this, if you come back and play well, people do tend to forget these things fairly quickly, but it was never going to happen realistically. For Leeds, it will help their FFP position, PRS, whatever it's fashionable to call it at the moment, certainly help their accounts for this year, Sinisteric going and, and that money coming in. And I think the way the way it had to go, by all accounts, he's, I mean, he's, he's had injuries down at Bournemouth, but they seem happy with him and he has had good performances. They wanted him to be part of part of the long-term plans and I think what this does is it means that they get him on board before they potentially get smoked by offers, rival offers from elsewhere later in the summer. And presumably Sinister himself has been waiting until Bournemouth appear completely safe before committing to this because as we know the Championship is well beneath him. It's very hard to say. I don't know what Sinister is thinking about this, but you would imagine that um, there was no particular, on, Phil, no particular enthusiasm to get relegated again, bite, I, would, Phil, I would say. Um I think you'll see this is a decent move for him because they probably are going to stay up, aren't they? But then again, and we had this discussion about Nonto and the possibility that he might sign a new contract and stick around with Leeds. If Leeds do get promoted, then it's not at all a bad club to be with in the Premier League. So who knows how this is going to work out for Sinister longer term. But I think I think Dan's right. There is a, a, a you know PRS aspect to this, but the bridges were burned back in August in the same way as they were with Tyler Adams. Adams went permanently, so you know the, there was no longer any issue there in terms of what you're going to do with him further down the line. But with Sinister, I always felt like he would depart on a permanent basis too, and I think the same applies to various other players who are out on loan. Who knows how this works out, but let's wish him well. Yeah, all the, the best. very best. Luis, <laughs> all the best in your new career. See you soon, hopefully. The PRS aspects, we were chatting about this, weren't we, um, via WhatsApp, just saying, trying to work out exactly what it is. It's somewhere, we think, north of about five million quid, those trousers. Um, in terms of FFP headroom, which is, I know it's not exciting, but it's very pertinent when you're in the championship. And we know that there are pressures this year to sort out the PRS side of things. There's, you know, come the summer, if we don't go up, there's yeah. going to be a little bit of adjustment needed. I think it's the summer that's... Um, and this helps, this helps. Yeah, it's yeah. the summer that's more um, of a problem, is my understanding, than, than right now. And, and clearly any extra headroom in PRS isn't going to help when it comes to the transfer market here and now, because the window is closed and um, the die's cast for the, the rest of the season. I think we were chatting before um, either podcast, um, last podcast or the one before that, about the feeling in the game that before June the 30th this year, there's going to be a massive scramble. I don't mean just at Leeds, um, but if Leeds don't go up, I think they'll probably be part of this. Quite a big scramble to get players out and money in before the end of the accounting period, the, the financial year. Yeah, because um, the, football, the, yeah, the football calendar ends on June the 30th, doesn't yeah. it? And the new season starts on July the 1st. So if you want to get stuff into this year's accounts, you sell them before June the 30th. Yeah, basically to make sure that your accounts um, hit the marks that they've got to hit and get um, beneath the, the benchmarks that they have to for FFP, PRS, whatever. Can you say, I think you'll see a fair amount of that. It's, P, it's PNS, isn't it? Uh, I think it, you call it, didn't you call it PRS, but isn't that a music thing? Yeah, PRS is a music thing, you're right. Profit yeah. and sustainability, we talked about. I think that, sorry, I'm, I'm calling it PRS, it's PSR. Yeah, PSR it's the profit, in the Premier it's the League. Profit yes. and sustainability rules, but I think it's called PNS in the EFL. So, so it's all, so it's known as FFP, financial fair play, PRS, which is the music reporting service. I was going to say, that's, that, right, that's yeah. what you started calling it, and I was thinking, <laughs> that's a different thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We, PRS requirements were fine on, aren't we? Just play the Kaiser Chiefs, the Skylights. Yeah, yeah they get their PRS payments. Everyone's happy, yeah. I, one of the reasons I've got PRS stuck in my head rather than PSR is that it keeps, for some reason, autocorrected on WhatsApp when I send it through. And I can't imagine it's for that reason, but it is It is quite annoying. Yeah, you're right. They, they've always called it PNS, Profit and Sustainability in the Championship. For a long time, it was FFP in the Premier League. Everybody seems to be moving towards PSR. So shall we start with PSR? Well, I'm just looking if at... I can remember it. The EFL regulations seem to be calling it P&S for now. 
Or is that last year's regulations because the website's out of date? Who knows? Basically, it's the amount of money you're allowed to lose on certain things, um, including transfers and the, the things that they're trying to control, i.e. wage bills, transfers. Stuff, but like building on infrastructure doesn't get counted and youth stuff doesn't get counted. There's a lot, there's, stuff, there's a yeah. lot that is exempt, which is why it's so complicated and why when somebody gets charged, a club gets charged like Everton, it, there's a massive argument about it because there are a lot of intricacies, a lot of nuance to it. Um, and you can... Uh, you know what it's like with these things. You can make it show anything if you want to. How does this work contractually? Because we're obviously outside of a transfer window now. So, is this allowed? How does it? How, it is, when does he? When does he officially transfer? Well, it's the it's the transfer of registrations, isn't it? And correct me if I'm wrong here, Phil. So you can transfer registrations if he's on loan. You can then convert it to a permanent. He, but the chances are this will go through in the summer. Is that right? No, we're think? told that it will be permanent today. Immediately, yeah, right. it will become permanent immediately. There was the talk of it possibly becoming permanent just before the end of the transfer window. But I think the only reason that Bournemouth would have been in any rush to do that would have been if they'd needed another loan slot in the squad. Um, and also it might have meant that somebody else became available to loan out of Leeds, potentially, if he'd gone before the end of the window and you don't want to create that opportunity, do the, you? There also would have been that, although that obviously applies to foreign loans rather than domestic loans. Um, so yes, it, it might have might have opened opened the door, but I don't think, unless memory fails me, I don't think there was anybody kind of falling into that category that Leeds desperately needed to move on in the manner that they'd moved on. Aronson, Christensen, Urenti and others and I think once we get to the summer this this was I suppose a fairly easy one to deal with because Bournemouth were very keen to keep Sinistera in the same way that I think Everton would be keen to keep Jack Harrison but obviously not if they go down um, that, that wouldn't happen but I think you'll find other mid-table Premier League clubs who would probably take Harrison as well so my, my gut feeling is that he'll go and they'll, they'll pull in money from that one but there'll be others who are not so easy to sort out Aronson being I think a particularly good example because it hasn't gone well for him on loan if you haven't glazed over already, I can assure you now that so section five, appendix five, sorry, of the EFL regulations, which I am now eyeballing on their website, it's uh, titled Financial Fair Play, and then we operate under PNS. So FF, yes. FFP, Financial Fair Play, and PNS are interchangeable. Pretty but, PR, much. but PRS, nothing to do with it. PRS, PRS nothing to do with it. Is, P- when, is when you play music on the radio or in the store and somebody gets some royalties. But P- PSR seems to be the fashion. Yep. That's so just, if you hear PSR, that's basically it. So yeah. that's when we get back to the Premier League, we ditch the ampersand and we yeah. add the... It's the, same, it's the same thing, but obviously in different divisions there are different rules and different limits and so on. I've had enough of that. Yeah. Sinistera, <laughs> Sinistera, Sinistera is gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's just a move that suits all parties, doesn't it? Basically. It had to happen. Yeah, yeah. it did. Talk, yeah. talk to us about your trip to Plymouth anyway, Phil. Oh, it was it was fantastic. Do you know, though, there was karma, though. Since I didn't go and we didn't send, Tuesday morning was when my boiler broke down. Um, so the house was even colder than it would have been at Plymouth in the wind and the rain. Um, have you got that sorted yet? Because I know you were no. on, the front, on the front of the plumber just before we started. No, recording. I was still, um, still soldiering on. Your pipe, um, works, your pipe work's not working. I still need still needing sorted. Um, it was a good win, though, down at Plymouth. It was. I thought they were comfortably the better team. I thought they, they got Plymouth right where they wanted them, which was to the point where Plymouth looked absolutely exhausted as the game went on. And again, just should have won it in normal time, I think, but just that quality off the bench Somerville in particular but Ruter able to to change it and a nice little tie away at Chelsea It's what your kids do isn't it they basically nag you and nag you and nag you about something over and over and over until eventually you're just too tired and cave in mm-hmm. Yeah <laughs> yeah. that was that was exactly that Just take my pin number Yeah <laughs> The funny thing is looking at the Villa-Chelsea game I was thinking to myself the more difficult game 
of the, the two options there feels like Villa away until sat and watched Villa <laughs> against Chelsea and haven't seen Chelsea play as well as that all season I don't think and did think to myself if they play like that against Leeds that becomes an incredibly difficult tie but it's also a really good tie and you know one to I think properly properly look forward to it feels less predictable is that the right word yeah it feels less like you could say that's a nailed on home win it should be a home win for them because they've spent a billion pounds on footballers and they're in the Premier League and we're in the EFL and we haven't I think the FA Cup really likes this game this sort of fixture where you've got, like you say, very expensive squad that, has, that hasn't really come together at all over the season anyway, but can play like that on Wednesday night. And and when, when they do play like that, you do suddenly realise that there are some absolutely quality players um, in that squad, which goes about saying on, on paper, but you, you sometimes need to see them perform like that. And I think it's been a real struggle for them individually to perform in a way which has kind of matched the amount of money that's been paid for them. But Leeds are in such good form and have played really well themselves this season. So there's genuinely that little chance of uh, of an upset in this game. And if Leeds play well, I think it'll be close. It'll be an interesting benchmark, won't it, of, of exactly where we are. And they've got the league, yeah. they've got the league cup final on the Sunday just beforehand. So you hope that maybe they, do they win it? Are they tired? Whatever it might be, that it just has some sort of bearing on the outcome. And as you say, you know, good way of gauging how these players in Farkas squad match up to what are you know. Top, regardless of where Chelsea are in the table, top level Premier League footballers, you know, how many of these compare well, how many of them don't. If it continues to go well for Leeds and if they get up from this division, it's not going to be long before they have to seriously think about what they're doing for the Premier League. And, and Farco will have to think about that in terms of personnel and in terms of tactics. I don't doubt they'll be thinking about it already, but it will be a good comparison. And we're on ITV4, so it's live on the telly again, this one. Michael, you used to work at ITV. Any good memories of ITV4? Oh, it was always a good sponsorship to have. Yeah. It was frequently available. Yeah. Very good sort of 16 to 34 male demographic. Pretty yeah. cheap way of getting into it. Yes, yeah. you know, did the job. Oh, excellent. Thanks for that. You'd, you'd be paying a premium though on um, on the football. Live football, yeah. Yeah, you'd be looking at... Um, it's a harder to reach audience, isn't I, it? Yeah, yeah. ITV were, the, um, were like the prototype for the chant, weren't they? Which is now you know swayed very much towards what's the chant film well you tell me but um, you know um, (laughs) you just just say it so I can clip it and put it out there (laughs) what ITV is is fucking shit as somebody said to me after Histon nailed it the the downfall begins now whoever um, whoever put that microphone right in front of the away end within reach of people who could grab the wire and pull it into the away end was kind of asking asking for trouble but there are going to be so many so many rearrangements now before the end of the season. We've got um, Sheffield Wednesday on a Friday night, which seems like an interesting decision to me, um, given what's gone on Friday nights there before when Leeds have been in town. Uh, but I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty relentless now, the, the changes to the schedule. Particularly with the reach in the FA Cup final. Well, of course, yes. Yeah, I saw somebody somewhere saying that um, after this Rotherham game this weekend, our next seven games are all televised. So we've got Swansea, which is televised on Sky. Plymouth is going to be on Sky. Leicester, Sky, Chelsea's going to be on ITV4, uh, Huddersfield lunchtime kickoff, Sky, Tuesday night Stoke, Sky, so on and so forth. So um, yeah, and then there's the Friday night at, um, at Hillsborough, which brings back some interesting memories. Friday night under the lights at Hillsborough, what could possibly go wrong? That is that is by a mile the most poisonous night, all joking aside, I've, I've ever covered really and, and written about. But Leeds just produced such big viewing figures in the championship that there's always been this magnetism that is, I mean, and we've, we've spoken to Sky over the years about it and they always say, look, we do take care with picking the schedule. We, we think carefully about the games, 
But you only have to look at the end of each season to see how many times Leeds have been on the telly to make you realise that that is where that you know, that's where the numbers are, and that's increasingly true when they're going for promotion. If if this was a fifteenth place finish season, then the there is still the appetite to show leads because you get big numbers regardless. But you know, in, in competitive terms and in, in terms of what the games actually mean, sometimes they're, they're quite difficult to justify. Whereas now you could put leads on every weekend and you don't even have to explain yourself, do you? Did you hear the chant uh, that went up early in the game at Plymouth, which is if you're watching on the telly, you're a Charlie uniform November Tango? Yes. Yeah. Do you think yes. that was directed guilt, at you, guilt, Phil? It probably was. Yeah, guilty as charged. <laughs> if the if the cap fits. Well, your, you, your boiler's going to go you, in the yeah, morning. It's already gone, yeah, boom. <laughs> um, well, you might have noticed that the weekend of the Bristol City game was football's green, annual green weekend. <laughs> and as you know, the, the club and other people are trying to point out, there was no public transport home after that game. So it's nice to give the impression that you care, really, isn't it? But in the end, I say this all the time, your match-going fans just seem to be lower and lower and lower in the priority list it's the, it's the woke karate film I'm afraid it's the, the woke, woke karate the woke karate you've taken over <laughs> the woke karate everything you don't like woke yeah, it's just are we doing this now be... are, we, are we pivoted well this is this is the way this is the way to hoover up big audience now isn't it you just, just say woke and everybody yeah, pivot massively to the right say some controversial stuff hoover up those numbers yeah well, just don't forget to like and subscribe guys basically anything <laughs> anything you don't like so my boiler is definitely woke because yeah. it's broken down and is refusing to, to work. So yeah, it just seems to be how it is. Isn't it? Well, Don't like this, it's woke. Did you watch it's, it's been snowing in, in Leeds? Did you enjoy the government clouds putting out the snow in the last 24 hours? Mm. I thought it was going to be global warming, it's snowing. <laughs> <Hey>? <laughs> anyway, it was all right, the flat earth anyway. So there's a different weather system at play. It'll just drip off the edges, won't it? Probably, the ice wall around the edge, that's what I heard. <laughs> the, the, we- the weather was wild at Plymouth. I mean, the pitch was... Look at Phil the, trying to be all professional. The, the pitch was almost um, not quite unplayable, but do you know what? There were points in the game where you thought, imagine if this got abandoned. Mm. You know, like, going to have to do this again next week. We were reminding ourselves of the um, the Arsenal, and it's slightly before your time, but I was talking about the Arsenal Cup run in 1991, which we did uh, an extended look at that, didn't we? Mm. Somewhere over on the extra ball as well, so members can find that. The, the four games, which... Imagine this, kids. FA Cup fourth round, and we had to play Arsenal four times because the teams couldn't be separated. And I remember the final game, the third replay at Ellen Road, when we lost, and there was just a general sense of relief. Like, like I'm sick of Arsenal. Absolutely what, sick of them. We did a piece on that. I spoke to um, Lee Dixon about it, and he said, honestly, if you've had Strachan in your ear for that many times <laughs> over that short period of time, you just want that game to be over, that tie to be done with one way or the other, which it was eventually. Uh, so yeah, Chelsea, the free hit, the proverbial free hit in the next yeah. round. It feels like it a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Like we, we could have some fun, cause some mischief. If we go out, we go out, it's fine. Concentrate Bam- on the league. Bamford to go back and um, do the business against... One of his many former clubs. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. why not? Why not? And Ampadu as well. Yep. Just signed from Chelsea. Have we got any of the Chelsea links in the squad at the minute? Lewis Bates guy, hasn't he? Oh. Does the winner get to keep him? <laughs> I think MK Dons might keep him. <laughs> right, right. If they, if they Good want answer. Him. Good answer. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, we turn our attention to far more pressing matters, Phil, and Rotherham at home. And consulting the, the league table, they are very much bottom of said league table. What's their away form like? I'll come to that in a minute. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest it's bad because they've won three games all season. They are on 19 points. Uh, very, very much down, I'm afraid. 12 points from safety. Although that game in hand could, they've got over Huddersfield could come into play mm-hmm. further down the yeah, line. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah. As Marsh said about last season, you know, they're actually on 22 if you think about it. Um, I thought earlier in the season that the game that if Leeds were say, to miss out on second place by a really narrow margin, or the title, the game that they might regret most would be the 0-0 draw against Wednesday at Ellen Road, given how bad Wednesday were at um, the start of the season and you know Wednesday haven't improved that much really but I've started to pick up some points but I actually think the game that will probably annoy Farker as much as any will, will be the game at Rotherham where I just think on that night they were a bit complacent Leeds weren't they it looked as if it was going to be a bit too easy and you could almost see in the body language that it felt a little bit too easy and then that goal just that the, the Rotherham goal the, the game just flipped on that and it was very different from that point onwards and, and those were two pretty expensive points um, but this is the sort of game that you're absolutely targeting a good number of changes made by Farka in midweek um, I think the pleasing thing about that Plymouth game was the ability to make so many changes and the, the system to still work as well as it, it normally does and he's in that great position now Farka where he's having to decide who to leave out rather than who to include you know there are a lot of players who aren't getting into the team that could justifiably argue for, for a spot in it so could have done without extra time, but you'd like to think that the way that that's been managed will mean that they're as fresh as you could possibly be for Rotherham, given that you spent Tuesday night on the South Coast. Happy to confirm that Rotherham are indeed bottom of the away form table. Do you know what they've done all season? They've played 14, won none, drawn four and lost 10. They've scored nine goals in the process and conceded 34. So we mm. can't lose. It's, it's, almost, it's one of those games, isn't it, where, you know, and, and any football fan will say this, it's not exclusive to Leeds, you'll go, there's absolutely no way we should lose that whatsoever. But there's always that part of you that goes, Wigan, Wigan, like, Easter. No, it's football though, you know, Things it? like that, yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's 11 against 11 on a pitch. It's, yeah. so there's a, but you look at it and we should go into this with complete confidence. But like you say, not, not arrogance, not complacency. And I, and I don't think they'll be guilty of that. I think he'll be in their ear in that dressing room and saying, look what happened it's, down it's there. It's a good point. I mean, we're off to off to see Farker after this. Um, he's talking at half past one and... I wouldn't be surprised if in the press conference he does reference the first game and, and, you know, kind of missed opportunity there, which it definitely was. And I think on the night he came away thinking that was that was absolutely there for the taking. Had they just been a little bit more 
a little bit more ruthless and it, a bit like the Preston game I think on Boxing Day where Farkas said afterwards that we didn't commit enough going forward that I think was definitely the case at 1-0 at Rotherham and then they equalised then the game changes and you wish you'd, you'd done it differently the, um, the way you look at Leeds now do you, do you both see a team that appears to be more confident in its own skin than we saw back then when it was kind of it still felt like it was sort of feeling its way into the division at that point whereas now it feels like they've got a handle on it and we know roughly what we're going to get in any given game when we go into it. I think so. I think Rodon at the back is now very firmly settled as it feels like he's the leader at the of the defence. It feels like Gruev's impact in midfield has been huge from earlier in the season where when we switched it around in there, it didn't quite work. And Ruter at 10 now seems settled as well. Bamford up top feels like that's not going to change until he gets injured. So it feels like there's a, there's more of, there's more of an obvious structure to it all now. I do think Bamford coming back into the team has made a difference. I, I think it's it, it's not that Leeds were struggling for results before he he did come into it, but I said before I just think the formation looks more natural, looks a bit more familiar. There seems to be a little bit more understanding there. I think. I mean, we we should touch on Bamford really because what he he was doing his BBC podcast earlier this week, and people will I'm sure have seen the quotes him talking about how after his penalty miss against Newcastle there were supporters outside his house when he drove home who he clearly felt very very intimidated by and I think it does kind of highlight the fact that there is a you know that's that's really that's pretty concerning I think and and I, I, it's not the first time I've said this but I do think football has anger issues at the moment don't you? I mean yeah. people said to me society has anger issues and that is definitely true but like I don't write about society, and your podcast doesn't focus on society. Like we do, we do. Football. Where does it come from then? Because it is a, it is a, it, it, it's a function of society, isn't it? It probably does come from broader issues and, and broader frustrations. But it's not like, and I know this isn't a great comparison, but it's not like you go to Tesco and you see people fighting with each other in, in the aisles and so on. Football I've, does. Come, I've been to apart from Norman, the, the, the twenty-four yeah. hour Tesco in. in is, um, it, is it particularly in, bad that in, is in Batley it? once, and that was uh, that was a bit fighty yeah. at points. Yeah, but it gen- it genuinely is football at the moment. Just seems to generate this excessive amount of frustration and, I guess, irrational responses to to situations which are annoying and are disappointing. But you have to say, there's an incredibly wide line between fair criticism of a footballer, and footballers should always expect that, and intimidation. And it's pretty obvious when you you're crossing it. And I I, I do feel sorry for him because I think. He's never been a, a deadly finisher at Bamford. That has never been his strength. But he is a good footballer. And I think when you get into the cycle he was in of never being that fit and missing chances, you're not in a good place, are you? But it can't be a coincidence that now that he's able to play and start league games back to back and able to get on a good run and, and is scoring goals again, that he's looking and is fit, you know, his body's holding up. He's looking far more, far more influential. And I think it's been a positive thing, him coming into the team. I think it was the right move at the right time when it did need to freshen up a little bit. But to go back to them looking more comfortable in, in the skin, quite often when you speak to players, they'll talk about confidence coming from what else you see in the dressing room. So what you know is round about you and the players that you know that, that you can count on. And I think we've we've switched from a period where Farker was very much reliant on the, not identical 11, but you know, was kind of minded to be picking the same team over and over again to a situation where actually there are players now coming in who are making a big difference having not really featured. So Bamford up front, Gruev in that defensive midfield position. I mean, I see no way at the moment in which Ampadu comes out with centre-back and, and Gruev 
gets dropped. But in saying that, you've got strike coming back further down the line. So if you did want to mix it up, you can do that. And Farker can feel confident about it. But I think also the players can feel confident about it. You've got Connor Roberts now as an option at right back. So if it's not working there, there's a really credible replacement, credible player who's, who's done it before in this division. And I do, and you know, Nonto now starting to, to score again as well. It really, really helps that. So yes, I think the very, I think they've always been quite settled in the system and you know settled and happy with the plan. But it's starting to work on all fronts now. Do you put Connor Roberts in? I think I do. I think if there's ever a game to put Connor Roberts in, this is it. Should be a fairly soft start for him. You think? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, which I know, I know is again, I'm not meaning to be disrespectful to Rotherham, but the table doesn't lie, does it? I'd be fairly surprised, wouldn't you? I think, I think he comes on. Probably, as rather than start seventy minutes, comes on once that we've. If we get a couple up, he probably comes on and we give Gray a rest. I think it becomes it's hard to justify that to Gray. I think, um, particularly on the basis of the way he played at Bristol City, where he's very, very good. I won't be surprised, um, Phil. Though, what do you think about putting him into putting Gray into midfield and giving Kamara a rest? I won't be well, surprised that, to see that, that. Is that is definitely an option? I think the club are very mindful of wanting to make sure that Gray carries on getting minutes, whether or not it's in the centre of midfield or or at right back. I don't think they wanted to sign players in a way that, w- that that was at the expense of him getting games. And obviously it's not all about him and it can't all be about him. And you're right. I mean, it seems to me that Gray and it is kind of tailor-made for that sort of advanced midfield position with somebody holding him behind, be it Gruev or, or Ampadu. But I'm not too sure that in these circumstances, Farker would be rushing to mix it up in the same way that I don't think if strike was available tomorrow, Assuming everything's okay with Gruev and Gruev is, is fit to play, I'm not sure if I could be wanting to move him out to move Ampadu forward to get Strike back into the defence. I think he'd be pretty happy with how it is. And just to say on Rodon as well, I think Rodon has gone from being very, very impressive and very good to actually looking like he's absolutely got that the measure of this division totally and utterly. And you know he does do all the basic things well, you know the, the heading and kicking. But you have to say that these days, like recruitment departments, just the, the last thing they ask about is, can he head the ball? Can he kick it when it comes to defenders? They want to know, is he quick enough to hold a high line? Can he pass? You know, Can he cover out wide? Can he slot into various positions when he needs to? And he seems to be able to do all of that. Does but. he have loads of mates we can bring in? Yeah. <laughs> Does, what's his brother like on social media? Yeah, great, absolutely. Great yeah. fun. Yeah. Just to go back to Bamford for a second. and Looking forward to seeing how his hair develops, <laughs> Sam Rodons. Yeah. In the in the Plymouth game, how did you think uh, Joseph did up front? Because if I felt like he was quite good and yeah, probably uh, probably a more impressed. a more direct Bamford replacement than Pirro in some ways, if we were going to keep with the exact same format of the team, I was pretty impressed by Joseph, and I think he he will he will get better. It, it's interesting that he's one of the players that the club have backed, you know, with a, a long contract. Given that quite a few of the the younger players have now gone either on loan or or permanently, he wasn't getting bullied at all. Um, Hit the bar, looked dangerous. I think, in, you know, there's a, there's a good young talent there, definitely, mm. and and didn't look out of his depth. It didn't look like you were giving a game to somebody who was then going to disappear for the next four or five months. You know, that sort of you're basically an academy player, but he'll have have ninety minutes. I don't think he'll play that much because you've got Bamford and you've got Pirro and you've got Rutter and you've got you know all sorts there. But I, he, he's going to be. He'll be in the squad for the rest of the season, definitely. Yeah, he looked useful, didn't he? Put himself he did, about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like the look of him. Yeah, the, no, the question about the changes, I think, was was probably with one eye on on Tuesday as well and going to Swansea with what might be more, uh, well, class more on paper as a, as a more difficult game, I suppose. I have, to, I have to be honest with you. I would let Roberts loose at 
Swansea if you were going to do it in either because it's the sort of having spoken well, actually, to yeah, Swansea and all having that, spoken yeah. to him on the day when he signed it's the sort of game he'd love yeah and all, yeah, all the Welsh boys and their connections mm-hmm. yeah back there yeah it does make sense doesn't it I thought about that that angle of it because I think Farker has been conservative with the small C with his changes hasn't he since we kind of got our fingers burned a little bit at Stoke earlier in the season it's it's he's been more careful when it's come to the, the rotation since then it's been when needs must I suppose yeah he, he isn't a coach who goes big on rotation in the same way as he isn't a coach who goes big on substitutions unless Leeds are in a bit of trouble but they have started to manage away games so much better they haven't found themselves chasing away games in the way that they were too many times before the turn of the year and that's really helped to close the gap because at home it's just been win after win Ipswich against West Brom at lunchtime on Saturday yes. then it's us against Rotherham Southampton against Huddersfield and Watford against Leicester all kicking off at three we absolutely have to win don't we I mean like Never mind, we should oh, yeah, win. We, yeah, we, no, we have yeah. to. I said that about Bristol City and I still stand by that. I think it was a game Leeds had to, to take three points from this one, 100%. I mean, I can't see anything other than us winning this, but football's always got the capability of surprising you, hasn't it? But Rotherham are 20 to 1. I just had a look. Really? Which in the champ for a, a it, game... It's in, a two and a half horse race, For it? a game in the championship as well, where there's not... Well, I was going to say there's not generally the massive financial disparity, but I guess Leeds and Rotherham, there kind of is. Yes. I mean, we've got the joint best home form in the, in the division <laughs> and we will we will go clear of Leicester actually. if we win this our home form will be 2.5 points per game I mean you can't get that much better can you he keeps talking really? about that Farker yeah. as well doesn't he keeps talking about the two points a game measure and I think he's quite quietly confident that if you land on that and and, and hit that at the end of the season that it'll be enough I think the average season it absolutely would be. Southampton are obviously in very much the same ballpark as well, slightly better, uh, which is complicating matters and I don't see Southampton dropping a huge number of points either before the end of the season. So there is not much breathing space for anybody. But our Kirkley's dog-touching friends might do us a favour. They won't, will they? Well, they're not. No. Well, they did against West Brom the other year when we got promoted. You never know. That was a long time ago. Yeah, haven't they got a new, exciting new coach? Who's their head coach? Huddersfield? <laughs> <laughs> whoever Lee Bromby's picked this week are they still on um, they're still on the temporary manager aren't they isn't it um, yes they are yes it's Worthington Nigel I don't know one of his relatives Huddersfield Worthington I believe he's called it will be somebody who sounds like they play rugby league the matey John you'll remember him from the various battles around about the league one either I won't because I've, bl- I've blocked it all out blocked it blocked it all out maybe they will do us favour against Southampton um, but I wouldn't be again wouldn't you can't count on it you can, you, you've got to do your own job you've got to do your own job haven't you Phil well, yeah, one of the things we were looking at this week was you know after Bristol City where Farker was having a moan about the finishing and saying it's, you know, it's not good enough and also quite unusually for him kind of said if we want to basically if we want to get promoted we want it to, to work out as, um, as we intend in May then it needs to be better and he doesn't often do that does he, he doesn't often get drawn into talking about permutations or promotion in particular he usually usually bats it off but we had a good look at the the finishing basing it around about expected goals which is usually the best metric for for this sort of thing and it is quite striking that leads of the top four are the only side who are underperforming on xg which is to say that they should be scoring more goals than they are and they've had opportunities to score more goals than they have Ipswich, Leicester and Southampton are at the opposite extreme where they've scored more than statistically they should have done. So if your glass is half empty, you would say, yes, it's underperformance and it's potentially costly. But I suppose if your glass is half full, you say that's an area in which Leeds potentially have another gear and another level to go to. And if the teams above them regress back to 
their benchmark and Leeds climb towards their benchmark, then might just give them the edge. If I could pick an ideal scenario, and this is stating the obvious here for this, mm-hmm. this Rotherham game, it's that we do what we did against Huddersfield and absolutely run away with it in the first half, but then also run away well, with it in, nice. the sec- in the second half too. Yeah, keep Not, running. Yeah, well, don't take your foot off the gas. I know we've got the game on Tuesday and Farker is, is generally minded to kind of uh, manage his players' output, isn't he? What you're saying is if it could just be 8-0... That would be well, get, ideal scenario. Get six in front of half time rather than four, mm. as we did against Huddersfield, yeah. and then relax for the second half. Okay, yeah. Settle for that. Fine. Right, we'll do, we'll do that then, and uh, <laughs> we'll report back, start next week, and see how that went. God, there is still that part of you that always goes, but you never know. You never know. Football, though, isn't it? It is football. It is football, but it's hard to make an argument for that. Yeah, we'll get back together on Monday and catch up on that, Phil, and we'll see you then. The Square Ball Podcast. 